the real benefit is not reaching your objective. The experience that you get along the way is the real benefit. So I kind of wanted to have a talk to you about your own experiences and sort of what brought you to the Youth Adventure Trust. Can you sort of explain what the Youth Adventure Trust is and what it does? Uh, we're a charity um, and we work predominantly with uh, young people in Swindon and Wiltshire um, at the moment. Um, it was set up uh, back in 1992, so it's been around for a while now. Um, and I think in the early days, um, I've, been, I've been involved for about 20 plus, 20 plus years now. Um, and in the early days, um, it was very much just a sort of single opportunity for a whole mix of young people to go and experience the outdoors. And, uh, and it would be those sort of young people that don't get this opportunity. You know, many, many young people, for all sorts of reasons, do get these chances and opportunities. And there's a group of young people that just don't. And it's just not on their radar at all. Um, so <clears throat> that's what it was very much in the early days, was just that opportunity to provide those experiences in a short camp um, to allow young people to experience things. So that's, that's sort of where it started. Um, but as times um, progressed, um, I would say we have developed that concept now into it being a development uh, programme uh, for a specific group of young people, vulnerable young people, that face significant challenges in their daily lives. Um, and that opportunity is, is a long-term intervention for these young people to build a whole range of sort of key skills, uh, the main one of which is resilience. Um, so, you know, especially with the, the um, pandemic, um, what we were looking for, for, or what would be ideal for our young people would be for them to be mentally tough, resilient um, uh, through the face of that sort of challenge. And, um, and that's exactly what we're trying to build in our young people. Now, when you break that down, that's a whole range of things. It could be confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, um, the ability to sort of communicate effectively, trust others, a whole range of things. You can, you know, there are, there are many, many things that sort of come out of that. But fundamentally, it's about giving the young people that we work with uh, that wouldn't get this sort of opportunity anywhere else um, the chance to develop themselves, to build that resilience, to face the challenges that they face uh, on their, in their daily lives, really. And so what sort of activities then would be involved? I suppose now, just talking about the pandemic, for a charity that's based on getting people outside, yeah. how have you been able to adapt to everyone being stuck inside? So it's interesting because I think when, um, when you look, if you were to look at the, the website, uh, initially, it looks like we just provide outdoor activities uh, for young people. Um, and that's absolutely not what we do. Um, we, we, we use the outdoors as a vehicle for change. Um, but what we focus very much on is each of those young people's personal journeys. And so we are putting them in situations, adventure situations or, you know, uh, outdoor activities that enable, uh, enable them and us uh, to take them on that sort of journey uh, of development, self-awareness, confidence, all of those sorts of things. So um, we don't have a whole bunch of our own instructors. We don't have uh, a bunch of our own equipment. Um, we focus entirely on that um, journey that people go on, young people go on, 
um, through the course of these uh, these activities. So clearly, um, at the beginning of 2020 in March, when uh, the lockdown hit, um, we were faced with um, all of our programmes are, are basically outdoors, uh, a lot of sort of outdoor residentials um, and activity days in the local area for our young people. Um, and all of those had to cease uh, immediately. And we also, the other side of the coin was that we had a lot of fundraising events. We run lots of corporate fundraising challenges up in the mountains, all sorts of places. Um, and all of that had to cease as well. So that was our, that was our income. Um, and, you know, now we're the other side of it. Um, it had about a 50% impact on our income as a charity. So pretty significant. Um, but we needed to respond. You know, we had 190 young people uh, engaged with us on the programme. Um, and suddenly all of their support networks fell away. You know, a lot of the young people get support through schools and all sorts of other agencies. And, uh, and when the shutdown was initiated, that all fell away. And there's, um, there's a basic principle that we sort of work to, and that is that we don't want to just be another organisation that lets these young people down. Um, there's plenty of those around. And so we had to respond quickly to make sure that we just didn't let them down again. And so we've been working over the last two years, uh, developing a new um, programme for us, which was a mentoring uh, programme for young people, where our volunteers... Um, work on a one-to-one -one basis uh, with, a, with a young person over a period of a year or so. This often happens when they get to the end of the outdoor residential and activity programme. So we, we're, you know, from start to finish, we start working with a young person when they're aged 11 and we finish at around about 16. So it's a very long-term, uh, full-on engagement through that period of time and that allows us to affect significant change for our young people. Mm. So, so when some of the young people get to the end of their outdoor programme, which runs over three school years, some of them need a little bit of extra support. And that's why we introduced that mentoring, um, that mentoring scheme. So we've learned quite a lot of lessons uh, from initiating that new provision for our young people. And so we're able to take that uh, into a virtual um, uh, dimension, if you like. Um, so we identified the highest risk um, young people that we were working with and we quickly uh, developed that online mentoring service, um, recruited volunteers, staffed it and got that going so that, you know, all of the um, young people that really, really needed support had it at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had to, we also then had to think about all of our other young people as well. So we developed a lot of online challenges that ran throughout the year. We developed something called the Thrive Award, which is like a, a little award scheme where young people learned skills, supported their local neighbourhoods, did their challenges and earned their own little Thrive Award, uh, which went down really well. A lot, lot of our young people really bought into that. Um, and then uh, we also had something towards the end of the summer uh, where young people are starting to feel really nervous about going back to school. Mm -hmm. And then we called Back to School Bingo. And young people tried a whole load of things like, you know, getting their school uniforms on, walking the route to school, uh, packing their pack, make their own pack lunches, all sorts of things to really get them engaged with the fact that they were going to be going back to school because a lot of our young people were really nervous. And so we just tried to sort of cross that barrier for them, really. Yeah. Um, and so really, we were able to provide uh, a good level of support right the way through um, the, close, the, you know, the lockdown period up until October, uh, where actually we were able to run our first activity days where we got young people out 
um, out of their homes, which are real pressure points for a lot of our young people. Um, and to get them outside to see their friends again in small groups, which we're allowed to do under the sort of national youth guidelines, uh, was an was a absolute godsend to these young people, getting them out back in the woods, building shelters, cooking over fires, engaging with their friends. It was, you know, hugely valuable and, and they all said so. Mm. Uh, and we've been able to run um, days in February and now we're just sort of hoping to sort of fully unlock our outdoor programme and, ba- and get back to normal really this, this year. So it's yeah. exciting times for us. Do they all have that experience of being outdoors? Do they all s- already like being outdoors or do you get some which come from completely different background and just want to engage how do you draw people in from different types of experiences and backgrounds yeah so so we um we work with uh, sort of partner organizations a majority of which are schools um we also work with young carers and and those and we we go into those organizations and show them what our program is all about and the benefits uh, that that can bring and then really it's uh, up to them to refer young people uh, onto the programme. It's all voluntary. Um, so, you know, a young person, if they don't want to take part or they want to leave at any stage, can do. Uh, but we have well over 90% of our young people see the programme right the way through, which right. is a, a, a real indicator of how much they value the programme. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, I mean, for us, that's an amazing statistic that they really buy into what we're, what we're doing. But in terms of their previous experience, I would say, generally speaking, um, they don't really have a lot of experience of being outside. Many have not been away from their local areas. Certainly a lot of, uh, a lot of our young people um, <clears throat> are sort of suffering the effects of rural isolation. So they might live in the country, but they can't really get out to access um, proper countryside or remote places. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's, I mean, certainly, you know, we take our young people away to the Brecon Beacons, um, down into the Wye Valley in the forest, down on the coast in Dorset. So they're going to some amazing places and doing some incredible activities. Um, they're certainly completely outside of their normal experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a massive eye-opener for a lot of them. Um, you know, we, it would be love. I mean, we have aspirations clearly to, to roll these sorts of things out for everybody, uh, but we're constrained as a charity with the available funds that we've got. Um, so for the moment, it, it is, you know, we give each of our referral partners a number of places every year. And obviously, because it's a multi-year programme, they might have seven young people that are taking part in their first year, some in their second, some in their third, some in the mentoring scheme. And we also offer a bursary scheme as well at the end of that process, where if young people want to go on, maybe to join an outdoor club or to you know, get some equipment to go camping or hiking or whatever it might be, uh, we would support some of the young people to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also try and, try and um, show them a clear pathway into that next opportunity. So, you know, they've started their journey with us, but certainly haven't yeah. finished it. So if anybody wants to support the Youth Adventure Trust, how can we support you other than donations or anything like that can anybody come along and volunteer do you need experienced individuals how can we help so so i would say there's two uh, main areas one is that we are volunteer led so all of our programs um are run by volunteers we obviously have a core staff team a permanent staff team but um you know we have in the region of well it's over 200 volunteers uh, volunteer spaces on our program every year um, and so we're always looking for people to come and 
um, help us out. And we we offer training and support and development to our volunteers. And in some respects, you know, the volunteers get the same similar from it than our young people get, you know, Mm. to be faced with a group of 10 young people in the outdoors can be quite daunting for some people. Um, And so we would support them and train them um, to be able to do that. And also when they go into that sort of group setting, um, you know, there's other volunteers that may have been working there for longer or, you know, doing these sort of things. So there's a really good support network. Um, and I think the volunteers get, you know, a great deal uh, from their experience working on our programme. So I would say definitely volunteering is one avenue um, and details can be found on our website. And the other avenue is really taking part in some of our fundraising events. You know, we have virtual uh, fundraising events. We have um sort of adventure events up in the mountains, multi-activity events. Uh, we, you know, trudge across the Arctic, up on Baffin Island. There's a whole, there's a whole range of uh, things that people can get involved in if they're interested in, in supporting us. So, yeah, the first, first stop is really just have a look at the website and then and go from there and just get in touch with us. You know, the strength of the charity is really around the network of people that we have uh, linked into what we do. And the more people we can link in with, the stronger we become and the more young people we can support. You've been CEO for nearly 20 years, did you say earlier? I think it's over 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. What, what drew you to the charity then? Well, I was working for a different charity at the time um, and uh, we were running a whole series uh, of challenge events um, for the corporate sector. Um, uh, my background was sort of in the outdoors anyway. Um, and so, yeah, we were doing a lot of those. Um, and I, I think pretty much it'd be fair to say we were one of the biggest charities running all of these challenge events for, for companies anyway um, in the UK, lots of mm. outdoor type events. Um, and um, I was after somebody to do a, a promotional film that we could use to sort of um, help to get the word out about these things. Um, and I came across uh, David Hempelman Adams, um, who was an adventurer at the time. And so I asked him if he'd be keen to um, to do a video for us, which he did. Um, and also at the time, I'd just come back from running an event out in Azerbaijan, climbing a fairly remote uh, mountain out there for the uh, oil sector. Um, mm. And I bought, uh, I don't really know why, but I bought a, a kilo of caviar <laughs> um, back uh, because that's it's, that's where it's produced isn't it over in, out in the Caspian Sea yeah. um, and I, I don't like caviar um, so and I didn't really have the budget to pay him uh, <laughs> to, to do this or his expenses so I gave him a kilo of caviar and he seemed quite wow. happy with that um, anyway so De- um, David uh, had originally set up the Youth Adventure Trust um, back in the day in, in 92 um, and so he uh, invited me to uh, take over at that point wow so that's where the link came from brilliant so you said your your background is outdoors already um yeah. what inspired you originally to get outdoors then um i think it was just when i was young i just lived in the countryside um and had a, a number of friends around that were also you know in that similar area so for us it was just uh, a very normal part of every day to just spend hours um outside um, you know, building tree houses, adventuring locally, doing doing whatever. So it was just it was it wasn't anything unusual. Whereas I think these days it is actually it's a, it's a specific thing that you you know you decide to do. Uh, but but then it really wasn't. It was just 
we used to spend eight hours a day um, outside doing stuff. And so I just think it was so ingrained at the time. And we used to then, we just sort of ramp it up slightly. We used to go off and we used to, you know, walk along rivers and cycle long distance and go climbing in the mountains and all of those sorts of things. So we sort of took it slightly beyond just, you know, um, adventuring in our local area, but it was just normal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't, I don't think I was suddenly, it wasn't a sort of bolt of lightning or anything. It was just a normal part of my life. But, um, and, and that's why um, my whole life has really been dedicated to facilitating other people to get into the outdoors, whether that's through corporate events or, you know, young people um, having their first opportunity or friends and family and colleagues dragging them around the mountains or whatever it might be. I seem to have spent my whole life sort of doing that, really. Yeah, that sort of leads quite nicely onto the next question of why do you think it's so important that more people get outside and explore the natural world? I think it's, um, I think there are very few opportunities uh, in normal daily life to experience some of these sort of real life events. Um, I do this, I do this um, trip across Baffin Island, which I've done for nearly 10 years now. And I take people uh, that have never experienced the Arctic. And so, so for me, I mean, going, you know, into the UK mountains, you can have a proper epic adventure, as, as you probably know. Yeah. But for me, when we take, when I take um, um, some people on that trip, that for me is going into a very real um, and very vibrant um, environment. And it's, you know, you're making real lifetime decisions there. You've got no, you've got no mortgage, no sort of, uh, you know, finances, no jobs around the home to do nothing. It's sort of really big life decisions uh, and they have serious consequences and in that environment things can change rapidly so that's what that's why I really like that expedition um, because you can't really get those experiences um, in normal daily life so you have to go in those into those environments and likewise for one of our young people in a charity um, packing up their rucksack and climbing up to the top of a mountain in the Brecon Beacons that's the same experience for them. So they get that real life life experience. And I think there are many places apart from um, outdoor adventure that you really get those um, sort of self-affirming um, situations, really. Yeah. Saying that not a lot of people have the access to it, what do you see are the, the barriers then stopping people having that access? What is preventing people getting outdoors or even getting interested in being outside and engaging with the world well so i think for for a lot of our young people there's a financial barrier um so literally the cost of traveling to having the equipment uh, and and doing that sort of thing or you know going along to an outdoor center or something um that is a barrier i think um uh, access um itself so just not having the transport um or you know being able to access that sort of transport um, is, a, is a definite issue for, for a lot of our young people. Um, and then there's also that uh, confidence level um, where if you've never walked up a mountain before or gone rock climbing or canoeing, you, the thought of it is just, well, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not accessible to me. Um, so there's a, sort of, there's a sort of support and skill level um, 
required as well. So for some of the events, some of the uh, mountain events that we run uh, for companies, the we have people there that have never walked in a mountain before. We used to run this event and run it for a while now, but um, I designed this event called the 24 Peaks Challenge, which you can, it's actually all over the internet now, which is sort of my le- legacy for the mm. outdoor events industry. Anyway, so we used to run this event, but we had people um, doing that event who'd never walked on a mountain before. You know, so their first step onto the mountain was 24 peaks in the Lake District, over 2,400 feet um, in 24 hours. Um, and and we had people do that event and they would just, they, their eyes would be wide open and just like, that was amazing. Um, and some people were, became, you know, avid hill walkers as a result. So, but we, but we would provide a lot of the sort of safety and communications and mountain guides um, around all those people doing that sort of thing. And uh, it was a safe environment for them to experience it. Whereas if mm. they tried to do it by themselves, they'd probably get themselves in a, you know, into difficulties. So you, yeah. you, you almost need to sort of coach people into, into these um, opportunities, I think, in a yeah. sort of safe environment, I think is really important. So the Youth Adventure Trust is there for people 11 to 16, did you say? So should, should we maybe be introducing more in school at the same time, as well as just having, like, the Youth Adventure Trust outside as an extracurricular should, ever, should there be more done at a school level? Well, yeah, the, the problem is that um, I think schools are so focused on the curriculum, <clears throat> absolutely driven to, to get those results in terms of the curriculum, that other things like um, outdoor adventurous activities just fall by the wayside. And also, you know, they don't have, quite often, they don't have the staff available with the right sort of experience or confidence to run some of these outdoor residentials. And then if, it, if they're just outsourcing it to a provider, well, there's quite a lot of cost involved in that as well. So there's, I think schools have quite a lot of barriers in, the, in their way to, to doing these sorts of things. Um, it would be, I mean, I think a lot of private schools um, have the resources to do these things, um, mm. but the, you know, the state schools less so. So I think, uh, I think increasingly we, we found that um, schools... Um, in fact, with the new, some of the new Ofsted guidelines, they have to report on some of their sort of out-of-school provisions to increase sort of levels of resilience. Um, and so I think I'm hoping that that will start to push people in that direction and understand that education is not just about subject exams and grades. There's a much broader spectrum of, of good education. And, and I think outdoor you know, engagement with the outdoors in all sorts of ways is a key part of that. Yeah, yeah. As a, I suppose, a kind of a, a final message, is there anything that you would particularly encourage somebody to do if they were thinking, you know what, I would quite like to get outside and just explore the world? Is there is there one thing in particular that you would encourage somebody to do first? Absolutely, and I would I would crib from uh, one of our ambassadors at the Youth Adventure Trust is Alistair Humphreys, mm-hmm. and um, and he is a big advocate of taking that first step. And I would say that applies to all of these things, whether you're going to go uh, to bivy out in the woods for the night, or walk up a local hill, or travel to Scotland to go and do a little mini expedition. Um, you just have to have that confidence to take that first step and just say, I'm going to give this a go. 
Um, and, and that is very often the main limiting factor for people doing all of these things. It's just too easy to say, oh, the weather looks bad or, you know, I just don't have the right piece of kit um, or, you know, no one's going to come with me or whatever it might be. Um, but if you just step out and do it, 99% of the time, the benefits you get from at least trying things um, outweighs all of that sort of nervousness about that initial step. So I would, yeah, you just have to set yourself that little challenge to make that, yeah. make that little inroad and you'll get paid back a thousand times. Yeah, I was, I was talking to um, Paul Kirtley uh, a couple of weeks ago and something that I sort of took from something he was saying a, a while ago, be realistic and not romantic. You don't have to go all out straight away. Just as Alistair Humphrey says, like just do these micro or mini adventures first mm. and just ad- an adventure in a day. Well, you know, quite often the, the real benefit is not reaching your objective. Uh, it's the journey to and from that objective. Um, so you don't need to be worried about the fact that you're not going to make it to the top of something or, you know, you know complete that 300 mile journey. But, you know, the, 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 the experience that you get along the way is the real benefit. Yeah. Um, so, so I would just say start, you know, all of these, I mean, life is a journey, isn't it? So it's like start these journeys, um, head into the unknown. That's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see what unfolds. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big advocate of that. Yeah, absolutely. So if anybody wants to find out any more about the Youth Adventure Trust, where do we go? Who do we talk to? Where are you visible? So, yeah, just um, go to our website, youthadventuretrust.org.uk, and everything comes from there, all our social media media channels. You can contact us. Um, But just if you've got any ideas uh, of how you could support us or if you'd like to volunteer, just get in touch. And, um, you know, there's a whole team of people that will respond to you pretty quickly. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. I I did promise no more than an hour. I think we've, we've managed to keep it under that. So very quick whistle stop tour of the youth adventure trust great to speak to you great thanks James.